So the reading today is from Acts chapter 13, that's on page 1107 of the Blue Church Bibles that you can see in the pews in front of you. And I'm going to be reading from verses 13 to verses 38. So page 1107, that's Acts chapter 13, verses 13 to 38. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue went, sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I've become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. This is the word of the Lord. 
want to start by asking a, a question of you. If there was you know, one thing that you could choose that you'd particularly want people close to you to know, what would it be? So one thing that you, you particularly want people to know, what would it be? It's slightly rhetorical. I won't get feedback. That would take all day. But, you know, we just baptized Rose, parents and godparents. What is it that you most want for Rose as she grows up? as she goes through the terrible twos, as she goes to primary school for the first time, as she enters the teenage years, oh my goodness, I'm a father of five, and my eldest is going, is it, you know, with all the pressures coming at them, social media, what is a boy, what is a girl, what is a man, what, what is the meaning of life, how do you, what is the one, if you could choose one thing, what would you most want for her to know? And look, being like personal with you, it's, it's a question I often ask myself as a, as a pastor of a church, um, you know, I'm wanting to help people to understand what's going on in the world. I'm wanting to help people to navigate life rightly. But sometimes that can feel overwhelming. There's just so much messages, news, people vying for our tent, clamoring all the time. We've got 66 book of the Bible. Which one does God want me to preach on right now as I meet up with you? What is the one thing, like day in, day out, every Sunday? If I could pick one thing, what would it be that you and I most need to know? Take a look at verse 38 of our passage, the final sentence of that reading. Here is God, our maker, the one who made you, the one who gives you every breath that you take right now. Here is him telling you the most important thing to know. Verse 38, therefore, my friends, I want you to know. This is actually the Apostle Paul preaching here in a synagogue but through these words, God speaks to us today. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That is what we need to know more than anything else, no matter our age, no matter our background, no matter whether we consider ourselves religious or not today. This is the most important thing for every human being to know, that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and is being proclaimed to you right here, right now. Now, you know, straight away you could say, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. Why is, why is that the, the most important thing I need to know? I need a little bit more explanation on that. Okay, well, let's have a look now. We're going to see three things through this passage. The importance of the message, the wonder of the message, the response to the message. First, the importance of this message. Today in the church's calendar, I don't know if you know this, it's Trinity Sunday. So Christians believe in one God who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And did you notice during this reading how all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, play this really important role in getting this message out to the whole world? First, notice the role of God the Father in verses 17 to 25. Page 1107, God the Father is everywhere here. Let me give you just a quick summary. It's going to go fast. Verse 17, God chose our ancestors. God made the people prosper. With mighty power, God led them out of that country. That's the Exodus. Verse 18, God endured their conduct, their sin, their rebellion. Verse 19, God overthrew seven nations in Canaan. Verse 19, God gave their land to his people. Verse 20, after this, God gave them judges. Verse 21, God gave them a king. Verse 22, God made David their king. God testified concerning him. And verse 23, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, 
just as he promised. Here is the entirety of the Old Testament in seven verses. Jesus did not just appear out of the blue 2,000 years ago and think to himself, you know what, oh, I think I'm the son of God. Why don't I save the world? No, we have the whole of the Old Testament and God the Father making all these wonderful promises to humanity and prophecies to humanity and these pictures so that when Jesus does turn up on the scene, we know who he is, we know what he's meant to be like, we know what he's come to do. And we can see just how important this message about Jesus is. And it has been this way since the dawn of time, since humanity first turned its back on God in the Garden of Eden. God the Father wanting to restore humanity with him. Wanting to draw us back into relationship. You need a saviour. I will send that saviour. He's coming. There is nothing more important than this. The role of God the Father. Notice, secondly, in this first point about the importance of the message, the role of God the Son, Jesus, in verses 26 to 37, but in particular, what do you notice about verse 30, verse 34, and verse 37? Let me read each of them out to you. Verse 30, but God raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 34, God raised Jesus from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. Verse 37. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. What is so important about this message? Jesus has defeated death. The empty tomb on Easter Sunday. And to this day, the bones of Jesus Christ have never been found. The hundreds of eyewitnesses to Jesus being risen from the dead. The dramatic transformation of the life of the disciples, including the guy preaching this sermon, right? Originally Saul, he murdered Christians. Now he's a Christian missionary trying to get everyone to hear after he saw Jesus risen from the dead. I don't know about you, I'm age 44, and I'm uh, now experiencing something of this decaying process. I think it starts earlier, but I'm certainly feeling it. My eyes are going, so I've got glasses. My gray hairs are showing. My memory's fading. I'm trying to run a 5K. It's going slower and slower each week. Do you know something of that decay? Not with Jesus Christ. God raised him from the dead, never to decay again, and he can raise you and I up from the dead as well. In a recent survey, 85% of 18 to 35-year-olds in this country, in the UK, said they had very little meaning and purpose to their lives. That's 85, but that is tragic. We live, we die, we're forgotten about, what's the point? They said. Here is the point. God raised Jesus from the dead. There is meaning and purpose to life. in relationship with him and a restored relationship with God, our maker, the one who's been trying to draw us back ever since humanity turned its back on him. In the church family just this past week, and obviously I'm not going to mention any names, there has been a parent's funeral, a cancer diagnosis of a sibling, interpersonal conflict, holiday disappointment, noisy neighbours, a leak in a flat, exam stress, and that's just the things I know about. 
I mean, doesn't it feel to you sometimes that we're just bouncing from one problem to the next in life? There's one difficulty to the next, one desire. You know, when I was younger, I used to think, if I can just get through this week, if I can just get through this exam, if I can just get through this particular relational conflict, then things will be okay. Then I can have some peace and quiet. Well, it's 44 years in the bride. It just doesn't work like that. One thing after the next, after, where is the hope? Here is the hope. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He is alive. He is with us through life, through death, and into a future when there is no more decay, no more injustices, no more evil, no more destruction, no more death. Life how it was always meant to be in relationship with God. So parents and godparents, Jack and Lucy, I know you long for Rose to grow up with this meaning and purpose to life. To have this hope in the face of death. And so more than anything else, show Rose Jesus. In your life, as you pray for her, as you teach her Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection for her, that he's raised from the dead, alive now, coming back for her, meaning, life, purpose, hope, found exclusively in him, relationship with him. God raised Jesus from the dead. There is no more important message than this. Now, look, of course, all this happened 2,000 years ago outside Jerusalem. You might think, well, how did this message ever get to us? How can we be talking about this even today? Notice, thirdly, in this first point, the role of God the Spirit. We've seen God the Father. We've seen God the Son. Now God the Spirit, verse 2. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 4, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And from Cyprus, we'll see in the book of Acts, three more missionary journeys to Rome, the conversion of the Roman Empire. And then from Rome, through the mission of Augustine in 597 AD, the Spirit sent him to Britain. And the message about Jesus came here, which is why we can be hearing about it today and the church continues, the Spirit, sorry, continues to send the church out on mission today because God desperately wants every human being to hear the message about Jesus Christ. Do you see the importance of this? Maybe it's the first time you come to church in a while. Maybe those who have been here week in, week out, we forget just how important this is. Do you see the role of Father, Son, and Spirit across all of human history? What Jesus has done embodied in his life and death and resurrection for us. The Spirit wanting you more than anything else to hear it. You're hearing it today. God speaking to you through me. The importance of the message. Secondly, don't worry, we're speeding up. That was the big point. We're going faster now in the second and third point. Secondly, the free offer of the message in verses 38 to 49. Because if we're beginning to see the importance of this message, getting it more into our hearts and minds here, you might think to yourself, you know what, I better get, I better get back into God's good books, right? I mean, if this is real, meaning and, and, and purpose to my life, hope in the face of death. Well, look, I better try harder. I better be more religious. I better read my Bible. I better pray. I better go to church more. Then I'm going to be okay with God. Notice the free offer of verses 38 and 39. 
Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to attain under the law of Moses. Now, we need to realize that Paul is preaching here um, primarily to an exclusively religious audience in the synagogue, okay, that knew about the law of Moses, felt the weight of sin under the law of Moses, realized it was impossible for them to keep it. And so for them now to hear about this forgiveness through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins through what he has done, setting them free from the law of Moses and free from every sin would have been wonderfully liberating. Like, wow, we don't have to keep it. We don't have to be good enough for God. We are set free. That is marvelous. But as I say that, I'm conscious that many of us might not, that might not be where we're at today. Um, particularly if we're not familiar with the law of Moses, particularly if we don't feel the weight of sin. What's sin? Do people still talk about that today? What do you mean a need for forgiveness? Didn't realize we, we needed, couldn't be good enough for God. I've said this many times before about myself. I'll say it again now. For the first 22 years, of my, the first half of my life right now, I thought Christianity was basically about being good enough for God. Jesus is good, I need to be good, I am pretty good, what do I need Jesus for? And when everyone spoke to me about forgiveness through Jesus, like, it just bounced off me, like, what are you talking about? It makes no sense to me. I simply did not get it. And it was only once I began to understood like the, the holiness of God, the moral purity, the perfection of God, his perfect standard, like way up high, and the fact that I do fall short, I might think I'm pretty good compared to others, not compared to God, sin separates us from God. But God still wants relationship with me. God sent Jesus to die for me so I can be forgiven my sin. Oh, right. Now I'm beginning to get it. Let me come at this from a different angle. I think deep down most of us, if not all of us, have a sense of this guilt and shame whether we believe in God or not. Week before last, I had a short half-time break um, with my family, um, managed to go to the cinema with a few friends, um, managed to catch up on the latest Netflix series uh, on TV with my wife, Jo. And what was really interesting to me watching this was how both of these things I watched, I'll tell you about them in a moment, they both would, were exploring and trying to wrestle with this issue of guilt. Okay, so the film I saw at the cinema was Top Gun, Maverick, I'm not sure if you've seen it, it's really good, I won't spoil it for you, um, but in, in one of the scenes, Maverick, you know, played by Tom Cruise, he is really wrestling with how to move on from the past, how to move on from the guilt of his past with the death of Goose, his co-pilot, so, so I'm sure many of you have seen the original. And in this scene, it's with Iceman. They managed to get Val Kilmer back as well. And Val Kilmer is saying to Tom Cruise, you've just got to move on. You've just got to let go of it. You've just got to get on with your life. And in a really moving scene, actually, I thought, for this blockbuster Top Gun Maverick, you, know, you, see, um, you see him, Maverick, in his most open, his most honest, his most vulnerable, and you know, cue Hollywood music and cue the close-up. You know, you need to move on. And Maverick says, I don't know how. And perhaps that's some of us here today. You're carrying this guilt and shame from the past, things you've done, you've said, you've thought. You're still dealing with the consequences of them now. How do I move on? I can't do it. 
feel weighed down by it. I still feel the guilt, the burden, the shame of it. The, the, the Netflix show I saw with Stranger Things season four, my goodness, it's getting scary. So let me just give you a warning there if you're starting at season one. There's this monster in, in season four called Vecna. And he basically preys on people's guilt. And he's like teenage children. He's in this upside down world. And he has these hat like fingers like Freddy Krueger. And it, like, they go over these, guys, these teenage kids' heads. And he goes, your guilt means you deserve death. He says it much better than that. But, you know, it's just... There's this guilt monster, like, going around, terrorizing these children. It's terrifying. Now, of course, Vecna's not real. But, I mean, do you feel something of that guilt monster in your heart at times? Not allowing you to move on. Something not right with me. How do I deal with this? I feel bad. I want to get rid of it. I want to feel free. Through Jesus. The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Forgiven. Guilt gone. Jesus paid for it. That's why he dies on the cross. To pay for your sin. His perfect life becomes yours. You are free. Objectively, every human being is sinful before a holy God, whether we realize it or not, through Jesus. The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And all we have to do is receive it. We don't deserve it, nor can we earn it through our good works, more we can't. But wonderfully, we can receive it. Lord, I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me. And that is how you get right with God. That is how you stay right with God. That is how you make sure you're in God's good books. Lord, I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me. Meaning, purpose in life, now, hope through death, eternity secured. The free offer of this message. Thirdly and finally, let's look at the reaction to this message in verses 42 to 52. You would think, if this is a message about meaning and purpose in life, hope in the face of death, it's a free offer, you don't have to do anything, just need to receive it. You'd think most people, when they hear that, would be, yeah, great, let me have it. But look at verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Well, that's positive. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Not so positive. So do you see the mixed reaction to the message about Jesus? It was true back then in 48 AD. Do not be surprised if it is just as true in 2022 AD today. Look, and perhaps if we're honest, as we're coming to the end of this sermon, perhaps you feel and you experience some of this mixed reaction in your own heart. There's parts of this you think, yeah, no, I wish that was true, that Jesus rose from the dead, that there's meaning and hope and purpose. In the, you know, at the same time, you're just thinking, sounds a bit of a joke. Can I really believe this in this day and age? Just notice that going on in your heart. And if that's you, you might want to reflect after the service today on God the Father, all he has done to prepare the message for us. God the Son, all he's done to embody this, his life, his death, his resurrection for you, 
so you can be forgiven. The Spirit's role, so you can even be hearing this message today. And you're thinking, you know what? I do want to look into this some more. And that is why we exist as a church, simply to allow people the opportunity to get to know Jesus better. Never a waste of time. Don't be surprised if we see this mixed reaction um, in our friends, our family, our colleagues, those we are wanting to share the message of Jesus with. Some will be interested to find out more, and some will just throw it straight back into your face. Um, but let's be realistic about the mixed response. There's no surprise. I mean, we're told it happened here. It's going to happen now. Don't be surprised. Have right expectations. If we expect everyone to say, oh, wow, you know, I never knew that about Jesus. Thanks so much for telling me. What must I do to be saved? You're going to be very disappointed when people start laughing at you and mocking you. On the flip side, if you think that all you're going to get is a bad response and mocking, then you will never bother to try and share the message of Jesus with others. But some people will want to hear. And some people will say, hey, pray for me. Teach me more on this. Some will want to be forgiven by Jesus. Some will want this meaning and purpose of life exclusively in Jesus Christ. Which makes this whole mission endeavor so exciting and so adventurous because you never know which reaction you're going to get. So, what's the one thing we want Rose to know more than anything else? And what's the one thing that God wants each and every one of us to know more than anything else? Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. May we know that today. May we know that every day and until we see Jesus again. Well, let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the message about Jesus Christ, the message that we have seen preached through the Apostle Paul back then, and you speak to us today. We thank you for Jesus' perfect life for us, his sacrificial death for our sin, you raising him from the dead and pouring out your spirit on the church so that everyone can hear that message today. Please draw us to a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, and please empower and embolden us to share that message of Jesus with others. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.